You're listening to Drinking on the Job, D-O-T-J. I'm your host, John Coyle. Drinking on the Job is a toast to the culture of food, wine, and all things fermented. We'll be talking with winemakers, musicians, artists, late-night bartenders, scoundrels, and more. It's time to grab a glass before its last call. Sarah Luper knows wine. She was the Wine & Spirits magazine tasting director. She has worked at and reviewed top restaurants in the city, did Harvest at Brooklyn Winery, and her Lupersomp Instagram is hands down the best wine site to learn about our favorite beverage. today to have Sarah Luper on the show. I'm going to do a quick resume drop because this woman has done more in her short life because she's very young than most people do in an entire life. So here we go. She was the Murray Cheese Wine Educator. She was a uh, curation analyst for a software app, wine education for Astro Wine and Spirits, data specialist for 750, wine director at Moss Farmhouse and the Metropolitan Opera House. And of course, of course, she's a graduate of the CIA uh, Grace Dunn for uh, is a pastry chef. So, Sarah, thank you for being here today. John Coyle, <laughs> thank you so much for inviting me on. I'm so pleased to be here. You know, um, we're going to get to your uh, Lupersalm Instagram, which is just such a huge hit and so masterfully done um, on every level. We're going to get to that. But um, we have to first tell the story of how um, your husband, Ryan— mm-hmm. <laughs> Mm-hmm. who also has a great Instagram, but his is more for the industry, mm-hmm. uh, Looper Tuesday. I think yep. it's very industry-specific, which is fantastic. And yours is you're the sum for everyone. I'm trying which to be. It's, and it's really, you do an incredible job of that. Thank There's you. just so much uh, truth behind it that I love. But we have to talk about, um, because I know Ryan so well, uh, how he knew you and fell in love with you through a a reality television show, and then oh, he finally met it. you. I can't believe you're bringing this up. Yeah, baby, yeah. <laughs> Let's get to it. <laughs> so his version of how we met is so much more exciting than <laughs> my version. Because my version is, he was one of my sales reps. Because right. he was. That was my version. That is my version. But uh, I pursued acting for about five years and did a lot of stage work in New York and was trying to break into film and TV. But, right. I mean, this is in 2001, I think it was. Mm. So I was really young. And back then... The most ethnic-looking person was someone who looked like me, which, who was Minnie Driver. And oh, right. she occupied that space wholly. You yeah. didn't see a lot of Latina or uh, really ethnic-looking uh, gals on right. TV or on screen. And she was very exotic right. at that time. And when my agent would send me out, I would get callback after callback after callback, but I would never land the job. Right. It's crazy how, like, Basically, back then, Mini Driver, or if you're John Leguizamo, you were you know, you were you played every you were or Rosie Perez, or Rosie like, Perez, you were the pigeonholed, yeah. yeah, you were, and uh, I, the the feedback that I got from my agent was, you're too ethnic looking, and I was like, you've got to be fucking kidding me! Haven't they ever heard of wigs and yeah, makeup? Right, and I can be blonde, I, totally. Right, yeah. I mean, uh, I just uh, got balayage in my hair. I see, I can do blonde. <laughs> Um, but anyway, so I got this opportunity to be on this reality dating TV show, and I was like, fuck it, I'm going to do it. Yeah. And 
I asked, I talked to my agent and he was like, do me a favor and just don't be a jackass. And I was like, not a problem. I know how not to be, you know, an idiot. So, <laughs> sort of. I love, the, I love the pause there. I am. Um, yeah, I can, I, 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 I can, can do that. I can not do idiot. Uh, yeah. So, uh, I did this uh, and uh, this show and they followed me around for three months straight. And it, every day, I had a team of, like, one camera guy and two producers. So and one of them every single day so the Truman for 12 show. weeks. So the Truman Show, right? It was. Yeah. It was. And they were like, what are you doing today? Do you have a date? Do you have a date? What else are you doing? And sometimes they called twice a day. And it was so annoying. And I didn't get paid a dime. Oh, that's the fucked up part. I did not get paid uh, a dime. I signed a contract that was an inch thick, John. Hmm? And it said over, over and over, we own your image in perpetuity. And I was like, "Wow, okay." That's but I was like, "I want to, yeah. I want to do this." Yeah. So did my best not to be a jackass, but I was myself, <laughs> you know. And shy, I, wilting flower that you are. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> not Right. And uh, I, there was a point the following year that it aired, and I. Mm was not able to book anything. And I was in this, I loved doing Shakespeare. And I was actually quite good at Shakespeare. I think it's because I enunciate things very well. And (laughs) I was in this, uh, I was in this, uh, in this play. And I was like, I think I'm done. Yeah. Because I could not control when I worked. And I hated it. The casting directors and directors and Everybody else could determine when I worked, and I couldn't. And all I wanted to do was work. That's crazy. And I couldn't. And I was like, fuck this. Yeah. I'm out. So if you could put Shakespeare uh, on, <laughs> on one side of the room and then said, what is the exact opposite of doing Shakespeare? Reality television. Yeah, right? pretty much. <laughs> yeah, so I did it. And I, I, um, anyway, so I ended up uh, going to culinary school because I love food. Mm-hmm. I absolutely love food. And I've loved it since I was a little kid. No, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna get to culinary I need the Ryan story. <laughs> yes, sorry, I'm meandering. No, that's okay. <laughs> so, uh, fast forward, I'm working in retail, right. and there was, a, and I was the buyer uh, in this tiny retail shop, which you know, mm-hmm. and this guy comes in and was like, hey, how's it going? I've got these wines. And it's a, it was like 600 square feet with the storage in the back. Right. And I was like, bro, <laughs> you need an appointment. And he was like, yeah, but I have. And I was like, you need an appointment. It's so, the space is so cozy. Sorry. Yeah. And he left. And he apparently called his brother and was like, I'm not cut out for this. <laughs> and I left music for this. And I, what am I doing with my life? And his brother convinced him to stick it out. And Ryan stuck it out. And then right. he, you know, grew a pair. Right. And then he decided to make an appointment with me about six months later. He makes an appointment. I accepted the appointment. He comes in, he's showing me wine, and he recognizes me from, because the, show. He, from yeah. the show. Because he, when he was a server at Carmine's on West 44th Street, he'd leave at you know midnight, he'd go home, and he would watch this crazy-ass show on the Women's Entertainment Channel. What was he, what he was doing while watching the Women's Entertainment Channel that's, after he left work? Um, he told me he used to lay on a shower curtain naked and watch... <laughs> No, no, no. no. Oh, my God. (laughs) I had to throw that in there. (laughs) So he he actually, he told me he had a crush on me, you know, after we started dating. Crush on me, he would go into Carmine's and say, oh, my God, there's this one dateable girl, da-da-da. Her name is Sarah. She's totally cool. And then, I mean, that was, there was a handful of years between it airing and then me getting this job. That is such a I mean, six or seven years. And then 
we're tasting at my first appointment, and he goes, have you ever been on TV? And I mean, I turned as red as a tomato. And I was like, oh, yes, looking away. And he was like, yeah, you were on To Live in Dayton, New York, season two. He even knew the season. And I was like, yeah, that was me. And we started to just be friendly. And we were in other relationships with other people. And, you know, a couple months later, we... Uh, neither one of us, neither one of us was dating that other person, and then we just started to like hang out. I, I asked him out first and said, "Hey, do you want to go see a friend of mine? He's doing stand up. He's hilarious." Right. And we went out and had a great date, and we went to Casalula afterwards. And then he asked me out a few days later, and then we had this epic date. It was like fourteen hours, and at the end of that second date, he kissed me. I saw fireworks. So did he. Wow. And I was like, I was like, I fucking love this guy. And I knew very quickly that I didn't want to fuck it up. Yeah. And I knew that I wanted to see how long this would last. And then it took him a little bit longer, but he, um, and I actually told him, because we had both just gotten out of these heavy-duty relationships, mm. I said to him, which I think might have been a mind fuck for him, yeah. I said, I'm going to date other people, you do what you want, but I still want to see you. And he was like, oh, shark circuiting, I don't really yeah. understand. <laughs> and then... Uh, like six or seven months later, I said to him, which may have, you know, short-circuited him again, I said, uh, I'm going to date only you now. And you continue to date whoever you want, but I'm going to date only you. I could see him adjusting his hat over that. His <laughs> yeah, fine fedora. One of yes. his hats. Yes. Yes, one of his many hats. <laughs> so we have in common. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so... Um, That's cool. Yeah, That's a great story. Yeah, it's so much better than mine, which is like he was my rep. Yeah, and I he's kicked my him rep, out. and I kicked him in the balls. Uh, yeah, the first yeah, time I met him. Yeah, get yeah. out of here. You <laughs> get out of here. See, he stuck around. He sticks around, and he yeah. shows up every day. Yeah, that's so cool. He's the best. Yeah, he's, he's everything. He, he's a very cool guy. So we're going to go from the acting into, so tell me when you fell in love. Now, you went to culinary school, and I you did. became a pastry chef. So, pastry cook. Pastry I'd like cook. to, I, so, I was okay. never a chef. Okay, fair enough. Um, yeah. And... Was there a bottle or a moment, like a bottle of wine or a moment where you went, wow? Yes. Okay, I, I really love this. What what was, do you remember the bottle or was it just a moment? It was uh, one of Gaia's Barbarescos from the late 1990s. Wow. And I was a pastry cook, actually. It was before I went to culinary school. And I was working for Deb Snyder, who I learned how to make so much from, it's particularly excellent ice cream and gelato. And... Uh, I was the closing pastry cook, and uh, Mariah, who goes by Mo, okay. Bodie, and she was the psalm at Lever House. I've sold wine to Mariah. She's, she's the awesome. best. <laughs> she's the best. Yeah, she's cool. Yeah. And she said to me, because she and I totally vibed on uh, texture and flavor mm. and how things strike you in your mind, in your head, in your heart, in your body, in your soul, how things can really move you. Flavor right. can yeah. affect you. Yeah. And she was like, Sarah, I had this table. They left a quarter of this bottle. You've got to try it. And I was like, well, I didn't know much about wine at the time. I mean, like, I knew something because I'd worked at, you know, Union Square Cafe and Oceana and yeah. Gotham Bar and Grill and you know, you think, oh, my God, I know so much about wine. And then she gives me this taste, and I can still taste it, John. How that Nebbiolo landed on my palate, how it shot straight to my brain, and it exploded right. my brain. Yeah. And I was like, I have never 
tasted anything like this. And the length yeah. and the finish. And it just went on and on. And I was like, oh, my God. And then when I got to the Culinary Institute of America, I hounded the beverage director, Tracy Dutton. I was like, I really want to work in the wine cellar. I know a lot about wine. I'm really curious about wine. So I got a job there during the morning times. I have to be there from like 8 to 12. And then my classes started at 1 and went through 9 o'clock. Wow. That's and a long day. I It was yeah. a long day, but man, did I love it. I, yeah. I thought I knew something about wine. I knew nothing yeah. about wine when I got there. Nothing. And she was like, okay, so we've got this everyday seller that has, I think it had 30,000 bottles. Go organize it. And it was everyday California and the rest of the world. Right. And then she goes, and then we're moving all of our age-worthy California over to the Red Center. And that's going to be a roughly 5,000-bottle seller. You need to organize that, too, and stock it and design it and clean it. And I was like, but I can do it. And yeah. I did it. Yeah. Here's, a, here's an interesting sidebar for me. I feel that most Psalms, particularly after post-COVID with the turnover, there's nobody mentoring them. Um, they're not doing that kind of like gritty, granular organization, putting bottles away, memorizing labels, looking at labels, going, ah, right. And and to me, the top psalms in the city always had that kind of experience. They worked in retail. They did they they mentored under somebody, worked in retail, and then they worked at some fine restaurants like you did. And that's how you kind of have to get your chops. People want a shortcut. There's no real shortcuts to the top. No. Um, they're, they're, it's, it's basically hard, hard work. Nebbiolo, mm -hmm. let's talk about this, because you do a yearly uh, pilgrimage mm -hmm. to Piedmont, mm -hmm. um, home of Nebbiolo. I also find Nebbiolo so fascinating. To me, it's like, uh, it's such an intellectual curiosity because it can show many different sides when it's open, who's producing it. Mm -hmm. And it's so multidimensional and hard to understand because it can be everything I just said. Uh, and I always find it most compelling, and I compare it to poetry. I compare it to, um, like, T.S. Eliot, The Love Songs of, of Prophet. Like, you have to read it a hundred times before you get the rhythm of it, mm. and to understand it. And Nebbiolo is one of those, you have to drink it a lot yeah. to really understand it. Uh, like any great poem, you have to read it when you go, oh, Shakespeare. I get the iambic pentameter of this. I understand the language, jazz, the dissonance, right? Mm -hmm. Nebbiolo is that to me. Yeah. And so when I know you do these pilgrimages, that has to be just fantastic, right? I am, I am not a religious gal, mm -hmm. but I am blessed, and I thank the energy of the universe that I— I'm lucky enough to go on that trip every year. And I I've, I've only been on it six or seven six times? Right. Seven times. But I've been to to Barolo two times outside of that trip with uh with Jamie Wolf mm -hmm. and it is such a beautiful mm -hmm. place. Yeah, it's the gorgeous. food is fantastic. Yeah. I think also it's like you you I don't know. I haven't been to every wine-producing region in the world. Right. But I can't imagine that there's a wine-producing region in the world that has crappy food. <laughs> you have to have good food. That's true. Can you think uh, of any? Because you've traveled more than I have. Yeah. Um, I'll tell you most disappointing, hmm. uh, Chile. Really? I was looking for, like, what are they really known for? And it was just like, I'd go into, like, cafes and they'd like me, empanadas. So it was really this, not really their food. They had, like, a stew I thought that was theirs. But, like, the food was just... Mm. I mean, it was not didn't define itself. That's too bad, you know.
but think about it. What? Where do you go in New York City? I want to go have some really good Chilean food. Uh, hmm. <laughs> and some carmenere. Yeah, like, yeah. yeah. oh, I want some green carmenere <laughs> with some stew. And uh, some rubber hose on the side. <laughs> yes, yes. Yes, beat me. Beat me, but like Argentina, you got your churrascaria, Spain, yeah. like, you know. But you, but that's the one disappointing place for me. Oh, that's uh, just food wise, beautiful country, and yeah. the explosion now with Chile with uh, BOBO and Itata. Yeah. Oh, and these I want to go to the south so bad. So good. Yeah. I've been. It's be. It's. It's it's pretty spectacular. Yeah. But uh, but uh, Nebbiolo, Nebbiolo, the snapshot. Give us a snapshot of some of the top producers oh when you were there, oh and God. something that just again made your head explode. And I am. Not an expert. I mean, I am an enthusiast. Mm. I am a l- continuous learner. And you have to have that kind of humility mm. to go back to a place every single year to to just be in the wine business. Yeah. You have to have humility. You can have confidence sure. and a confident humility. But you have got to keep your mind open because... Shit changes. Yeah. Generations change. Enzo Boletti, mm-hmm. what I knew about the wines from Wine and Spirits magazine and from prior to that was that they were a more modern producer. They used a lot of oak. Right. And I was like, yeah, not really in my style. Mm-hmm. My first week on the floor at Il Buco, right. I had a Nebbiolo guy come in. And I, I, you know, I, yeah, I don't drink a lot of modern producers. Who do you recommend? Enzo Boletti, 2016 Fossati. I crack it open and I was like, what is this? This yeah. is more traditional. I didn't know that the younger generation had taken over and they were like, get these French tonneaux <laughs> out of here. Let's go back to the big botti. Yeah, yeah. And it was completely different. Right. You know Pierre Busso. Yeah. His dad used a lot of smaller oak. Pierre's, have you had his 2019s? No. He got no. a new destemmer. And motherfucker, please. Wow. His, yeah, those wines have been bound up. wines but yeah. have changed dramatically. Complete turnaround. Mm-hmm. I When I went there in August, I was like, Pierre, right. what did you do? Oh, my God. The wines are so much better. And not that they weren't great beforehand. They were. He is an extremely talented winemaker. Yeah. And he's in his early 30s, for crying out loud. We've got another 30 years of this guy to yeah. see what he can do, where he can go. Yeah. And he was like, I got a new destemmer. My dad thought I was crazy for spending tens of thousands of dollars on a new destemmer. He said, but the old destemmer was getting in all this, all these berries that I didn't want yeah, um, and yeah. mogs that I didn't want and I, material other than grapes that I didn't want. Right. And his wine has completely changed. So what does, I mean, I am fascinated by mm-hmm. that place. I am in awe of that place, the beauty the people, so kind, open their doors. They they treat you lunch. The coffee's great. The food is great. The the cheeses are great. Yeah, the, everything is... It smells great. The the, yeah, it's just... Oh, my God, yeah, everything. Yeah. And you can take a 20-minute drive into Alba and have fantastic shopping, find some of the best cashmere right. in the world, and Alba truffles. Come on. Shh, yeah. Come yeah, on. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's just a, such a special place. Well, you, what you're talking about, which I think is really important, the the wine is not static. No, people think they know everything, and mm. they don't. And as we know, like uh, I've been doing this a long time. You've been doing this a long time. I don't pretend like I know anything. I'm like I know what I know, but I will never 
you know, like you, you meet people like, oh, no, I've, I've done it and seen all. No, you yeah, haven't. No, you, you haven't. haven't tried this vintage. And, and by the way, you know, Chianti's think about putting Syrah and like these, these rules change and there's a next generation coming on. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just, it, it's just an ever-changing uh, mm-hmm. world. Uh, let's get to the uh, tasting director of Wine and Spirits. Oh, yeah. So give me the best part of the job, the worst part of the job. Because you're tasting, how many wines are you tasting first in a week? Ballpark. Oh, my God. In a week. So there were days where I would, oh my God, it's so hard to peg it because the cycles were different. So when we did, oh God, when we did South America. Sorry. I know. (laughs) I mean, there were, we would have specific things that we would ask for. We're only tasting reds. Mm -hmm. And the producers would send us their whites. And we'd be like, yeah. I, can't, I, I don't have the room to store these right. for yeah. six months until we taste the whites. They might suffer light strike because we had fluorescent lights. Right. And for those people who don't know light strike, mm. when it affects a wine, the wine can taste like flower, like yucky flower water. Yeah. And it, compl- it can completely damage and irreversibly irreversibly damage the wine. Don't send me that. I'm just asking for the reds. And then they would just flood us. It's, there were some very large producers who I think you can probably guess, like, <laughs> who would send us stuff that was not imported, but somehow or another, it they didn't have a cola for it, but it would fly under the radar and it would show up and I'd be like, this doesn't exist in the United States. And but they were what they were looking for were points. Points, yeah. In order to convince their importer to bring it into sure. the United States. That was probably my least favorite part of it. And um the best part of it, the people tasting. I honed my palate right after I left. But I'm going to get to how many wines I tasted in a day in a, in a second, okay. but right after I left, I went to my tasting group, my blind tasting group which made every Saturday. Never in my life, John, did I nail all six wines. Vintage, vineyard, wow. grape, country, region. I nailed them. Mic, Na- mic drop. I'm not- I was like, I'm never going to do that yeah. again. And I wish I was sitting for the Master Sommelier exam right now because I would win the fucking crew cup. Oh, my God. I amazed myself and I got a couple high fives. But you know what? I will savor those high fives. Oh, fuck yeah. It was great. There, there is something ma- magic about nailing wine. Oh, my yeah. God. It was fantastic. Uh, but how many wines in a day? There were some days like Argentina and Chile would send us so much. And the critic, uh, P- Patricio, who was fantastic and he was just a, a whirlwind. And I would be his wrangler when he came in, basically. It's yeah. Uh, can you tell me the name of the... And I'd be like, I can't tell you who the producer is, Patricio. And he'd be like, ah, coño. Um, <laughs> but I would have to, because as, the, as the tasting director, part of my job was to c- cipher out all the crappy wine that was... I shouldn't say the crappy wine. I would have to taste all the 15 and under wines and then give him the best 15 and under wine so he could I was a filter basically so you were taking all the flawed wines out I was of the, taking out of the all the formula. cheap wi- cheap yeah. wines right. and tasting them all and there were some days where I would have to split it up cuz you you can't kill your palate right. but we would taste I personally would taste maybe 30 to 50 15 and under wines if one of our panelists 
dropped out. I would have to sit in. That's another 40 wines in the morning. And then I would have to sit in if another panelist dropped out or if we didn't get enough asses in seats, I would have to sit in. So that's another 40 wines. So that's 80, 110 mm-hmm. wines. And then if we were really under pressure, it would be another 30 to 50 wines of cheap wines or even retasting because there was one uh, one issue where I was the critic for New Zealand. And that's another place that's that sends one. a lot of cheap Sauvignon Blanc. Yeah, it's an ocean of it. And I tasted over 200 Sauvignon Blancs, just Sauvignon Blancs, not even Pinot Noirs and Cabernets and Syrahs let me and throw, Rieslings. Let me throw something at you about New Zealand Sauvignon Blanc, because I, I use this as an example sometimes of the right varietal Sauvignon Blanc planted in the right place. Because I've tasted a lot of sh- cheap, cheap New Zealand Sauvignon Blanc gets into my office. And at the end of the day, I'm still tasting going, you know what? I got to say, that's pretty fucking good for my cost $3 a bottle. Oh, yeah. It's kind of insane. It, it exists. It's a great example of like that wine, that grape's supposed to be planted there. As opposed to sometimes yeah. the square into the round hole. Yeah. Right? Yeah. You want to do Cabernet somewhere like on Long Island. You're like, fuck, stop, please. Yeah. Please, I'm going to send a fucking uh, you know, terrorist group to go burn your fucking vineyards <laughs> down. Please don't. Go yeah. back to potatoes. Uh, yeah. But so, uh, you know, I, I think it's interesting because I this laid the ground game for Lupersum. It did. And I I I was supposed to actually be the um director of education at Wine and Spirits magazine after I had fulfilled a year mm-hmm. of being the taste director. That did not pan out. And I had taught wine classes at every single restaurant where I worked, Moss Farmhouse, Almanac. Elsewhere, Astor, the Met Opera, the Met Opera. I taught yeah. public classes at Astor. Right. I'm one of the wine educators at Murray's Cheese. Yeah. I uh, taught classes everywhere I went because that wine knowledge empowers my sales staff. Mm-hmm. It, sure, th- they can not only, but but you have to make the education fun. If you don't make it fun sure. and palatable for them, and I, if you bonk them over the head with facts, 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 and no fun. Then they're going to be like, fuck, the, I don't want to yeah. learn from her. I don't want to know this shit. This is stupid. I just want to sling mashed potatoes and get paid my tips. Yeah. And you have to find, as an educator, you have to find where people's strengths and weaknesses are. Sure. And at Elsewhere, I had a guy who was dyslexic and I found was very frustrated with my written quizzes. So I said, Stephen, you don't have to sit for the quizzes. I'm going to quiz you orally. So yeah. I would belly up to him when he was waiting at the service bar. Uh, for a, a cocktail or his drinks, waiting to run his drinks. I'd sidle up to him and be like, hey, Stephen. He'd be like, hey, Sarah. And I'd be like, oh, my God, this Valpole that we have by the glass, it's so good. What are the grapes in that again? And yeah. he'd be like, mm, Corvina, Corvinone, Rondonella. And you get them comfortable. You meet them where they're at. That's you smart, have yeah. to meet your students where they're at. Yeah. And there's going to be stuff that goes over their heads. That's okay. Stuff goes over my head, too. Of course. Yeah. And... You can't know everything. Nobody knows everything. And it, I love David Giuliano, the wine director at Il Buco, said, oh. you have not seen magic until you've seen Sarah <laughs> command a table and wave her wand, basically, oh. and bring joy to everyone at a table. Because uh, what you were just talking about, um, you go to a restaurant, and you do this in your Wine 101 on your Instagram thing of, like, how to not look like a jackass in a restaurant. Yeah. And um you have a wonderful way of imparting information, as you said, to meet somebody where they are. And then on top of it, who doesn't want a great story told? Yeah. 
I mean, everywhere is, you know, you want, like, oh, you should do this bottle because, you know, oh, this guy, he was in the Second World War, and then his family's owned this vineyard for 300 years. And it's a story. Everybody loves a good story, which you're really brilliant at. Oh, you're very kind. Um, Thank you so much. Uh, so so give me the the birth of um, the Lupersom IG. How, how, how many years? You've done a lot. I've done a lot of educating. I've, I've been educating since 2008 or nine. Right. Uh, and, and teaching classes here and there and, you know, places I've mentioned. And Lupersom started because I, I'm going to back it up and say I did not like social media for a okay. very long time. And it's primarily because of Mark Zuckerberg. And I'm like, yeah. I don't like the values that that guy holds dear to him. And I am not going to use any of it. And I, I agree. deleted my Facebook. And I was like, I'm going to yeah. show him. Yeah. I'm going to delete my Facebook <laughs> yeah. account. But I stayed on Instagram even after he bought it. And I was like, I, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm growling in the background. Right. Rah, rah, rah. And a friend of mine, Chris Kettner, who was one of my servers mm-hmm. at, at Elsewhere, who is now a multiple Tony Award winning Broadway producer. Wow. And I've, we've stayed in touch. We've, we've remained friends, which is great because he's such a lovely, generous, kind human being. And he was like, Sarah, you got to start posting. I, Heather and I, another gal who was at um, Elsewhere, who's now a a very famous and well-known comedian. Mm -hmm. He was like, Heather and I know what we know because of you. You need to spread that around. People need to hear from you. You're the best teacher we've ever had. You're not a snob. You don't make it intimidating you don't intimidate us you tell us it's just grape juice can you please share that with the world and i was like oh chris i don't know hemming and hawing and heather posted something and tagged me and then i got a bunch of followers and i was like oh my god and i said to chris what do i do with this he was like sarah strike while it's hot go get go figure it and he gave me the idea for bodega wine mondays which i was going to talk about next which is crazy so uh i found that it resonated with people yeah and you can't take wine or yourself so seriously because it really is just grape juice. Yeah. And I mean, even DRC is just grape juice. Yeah. It's delicious. Yeah. And when you open it on the right day and it's the right vintage and it stays sure. long enough, it's great. It's it's transformative. Yeah. But you just you just can't take yourself or wine so yeah. seriously. And People want to know about wine. Yeah. And when you sit there with a fire crackling behind you, and mm. you, you're, you're tasting Grand Cru, you're tasting yeah. Rumier Bon Mar, and you're talking about the pruning methods, and yeah. then the, and you're like, come Fuck on. you, I know. What does it taste like? Right. Tell me what it fucking tastes like. Yeah. Also, and I want to taste that. What I love about um, what you do is that I'm a big wine for the people person. Mm-hmm. Fuck, by the way, we have to drink something before the show is almost over. Oh my God, uh, because it's making me dry yeah, heat no. in the background. <laughs> okay. I, so I, 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 everyone knows I'm a huge mezcal guy. Uh, Amorous, I, I do videos about it. I love mezcal. Mm-hmm. To me, it is a religious sacred beverage. It's still like, uh, you know, it's all artisanally made. Yola is uh, founded by a woman. It's a, all a woman uh, facility. Nice. So uh, she feels she pays them and it's, it, gives them economic power. It's all regenerative farming. Uh, this is Espadine and uh, Madre Quiche, uh, and it's all organic and indigenous yeast and all this stuff. And to me, uh, a, a woman who does this, I I just have to love what she does. But also, it's one of the best mezcals that I've 
Wow. Um, it's got more fruit to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's almost like cantaloupe in the middle. I'm just going to take a little taste. Okay, me too. You take a small taste. I know you're not huge. I, I'm, I'm not. I, it's because I'm a lightweight. Yeah. Excuse me. Mm. But I think you'll see what I mean. It has. Um, there's just more fruit to yoga. There is. There's. There's. Uh, there's like white fleshy fruit. Pear. Yeah. White melon. Wow, that has no rough edges. Right. It's just smooth. It's got and the I'm smoke. not a spirits person. Right, yeah. So I, this is one of my favorites. So I brought it because it's about female empowerment, and, and I love what she does with uh, the women in these small towns who have no other way to make money. So she hires them, distills, pays them a very good wage. I love it. <coughs> and so I'm, that's why – so it reminded me of you, and that's why oh. I brought the mezcal. Well, thank Powerful you so woman. much. I wish I could bottle that yeah. and – but wine for the people. For Let's the people. get back to it. Yeah. I like what you do with your classes is, you know, it's not about Rumier Bonmore and Grand Cru. And mm-hmm. like, and there's a little dash here and there. You mentioned some great. But overall, your Costco wines, the, the Pinot Noir. You found three Pinot Noirs, A to Z, a Rath, and one other one. Mm-hmm. And you're like, I gotta say, this yeah. is, these are really good Wines and not everybody can go out and spend fifty dollars a bottle, sixty dollars a bottle. No, but then on top of your great class like that, you break it down structurally, like people don't think only restaurant and wine people think of. You say, okay, you have a fifteen dollar bottle of wine. You get five glasses. That's three dollars a glass. Yeah. If you just stepped up to five dollars a glass, the quality will increase if you're finding the right producer. Mm-hmm. So I love how simple you make it. And then how hysterically funny Bodega Mundi is because there are some moments you have the Sarah Luper face where you're like, oh my God, Jesus, what did I do to deserve this? This is rotten kimchi. It's disgusting. And then you show, and you show the label and name the name, which is the other thing. Like, great. We should all be saying Yellowtail is garbage. It's, it's like a dumpster was like, you know, tipped on its side and the juice came out and they put it in a bottle. You know, my feeling is like that is like they will evolve and eventually find something good to drink. So at least they're in our game. Mm-hmm. I appreciate that. But what your class does, and then you find really good stuff at the bodega. There was a wine, I think, La Chaise, I think that you. That was La Chaise not Lounge. bad. The Chaise Lounge. La Chaise Lounge. And also, Twelve Nights reminded me of Game of Thrones. <laughs> oh, that's right. Yes. It was so good. Yeah, I was so surprised. Right, but that's what it's not, it's not pretentious. And you have this moment of in your wine 101 of like, you know, about, uh, I don't want to sound like a pretentious bitch, but if you're going to hold the glass, <laughs> hold the wine glass, you don't yeah. hold it by the globe. But what's great about it is you just don't throw it out there and just leave it floating. Just mm-hmm. hold it by the stem. You say, why you should be holding it by a stem? It's fingerprints. It's body heat. You change the complexity yeah. of the wine with it. So you, you, you float out this idea of like pretentious bitch, but then you're like, but this is really what it's about. So hold the glass properly. And so there's a real yeah. logic to it. Um, and uh, you could just tell... That you love what you do, oh, it's, it makes me laugh sometimes, <laughs> and then other times, not like, all the time, not, not all the time. <laughs> sometimes it's not funny, but then you did this fantastic job of uh, dissecting um, uh, sparkling wines. You're doing prosecco moscato. These are this is what this is, and then you have Cremant and cava, and then you have champagne, and you break it down in a very simple way for people to understand. Thank you. Why it's price point like that, mm-hmm. and then in your wine 101, when you do when you break down wines and look for these three baskets: mm-hmm. there's fruit, there's earth, and there's wood. And yeah. what do those speak to? And what do those fruits say? Mm-hmm. And so, like having been in the business for a very long time myself, I I look at that and I'm like, this is such 
it's it's like the the best one minute wine class that anyone mm-hmm. could be checking out on a, on every time you post because you will learn something. Thank you. Um, and that's the most important thing. But you also make it fun. To your point, don't beat below beat people over the head because mm-hmm. that's bullshit, and you make them feel stupid. And it's not elitist and not sitting by a fireplace with your Irish wolfhound next to you. <laughs> right. And wine is fun. It is fucking wine fun. Wine is about community. Oh God, it's yeah. about sharing yeah. and it's about food and it's about tasting and stories and connection yeah. and joy. Yeah. And it should be all that. And, you know, how do we get back to that? And Lupersom, that's how you get back to it. You, Thank you. you. I'm you, trying. You started a grassroots level of people who are trying to understand wine instead of putting it through some kind of huge academic exercise where they're trying to memorize every appellation. You just make it fun, and they go, oh, I like that. Then, oh, shit, I really do like Sauvignon Blanc. Maybe I should try Sancerre, and then I should try New Zealand. That's what you do. Yeah. You turn people on. You're the, you're the dealer. <laughs> <laughs> but you are the psalm for everyone. So, Thank you. Um, I'm really trying, and it, it is so... <laughs> You know, going back to the whole Mark Zuckerberg thing, I mm. was like, I don't want to do this Instagram thing. But then I'm so glad I did it because I, I'm so I'm flabbergasted and humbled and grateful that my style of teaching is landing with so many people, and they're getting it, and they're telling me so. Yeah. And the when I get those DMs. That, oh my God, I figured this out. What you told me, I put it, I exercised it, and it works. And I'm like, yeah. it does. And I'm so glad that those light bulbs go off. And Agreed. that's what, that gives me so much joy. I'm like, that's what I want to do. That's what I desire to do, is to get people to learn in, a, in an inoffensive, non-snobby mm-hmm. atmosphere so that they can figure out what they like figure out what they have at home and figure out if they like it or not. Right. How to decipher a wine list, how to have how to feel confident and empowered when talking to their som, the bartender, their wine merchant because n- everybody wants to know something, sure. you know, and I'm not looking to get them up to like I want you to be able to sit for the master sommelier exam right. in 3 months. No, yeah. just take bites of what feels right to you. And go from there. And, and what, then just start tasting. Keep an open mind. Because yeah. as, as long as you keep an open mind and stay curious, you will try new stuff. Absolutely. And that's what I want you to do. Go discover. And so we all have Sarah to thank when you go to your neighbor's house and they actually pull open a great bottle of wine. It's probably because they watch Sarah's <laughs> Lupersom, right? So Thanks. we're at the part of the show where uh, the good Lord said, you have spread the gospel of the grape. So amazing. I'm going to give you a gift and I'm going to let you uh, come up and, f- and f- hang out with me. I'm going to give you one day, your last day on the planet. So I want you to figure out what you're going to eat and what you're drinking, what you're going to listen to as you float off into uh, the angel share. Mm. Mm. What are you eating? So I have loved food since I was a kid. The first recipe that I ever made was from the joy of cooking, and it was bechamel. Oh. I mean, who fucking makes that as a as an eight year old? You know, no but one. I was like, I, my sister was baking <laughs> yeah. the banana bread. But I was, I read, I went through the joy of cooking, and I was like, bechamel. I like creamy stuff. I just love food. I would not be one thing. It would, when I was a kid, the six kids and my parents, all eight of us, would go out to dinner, and I strategized. I was like, I'm going to order an appetizer, 
so I won't <laughs> fill up as my dinner. And then once dinner hits, the dinner plate hit, I would systematically stand up and go to each of my siblings and my parents and go, can I have a bite? Can I have a bite? Can I have a bite? So I could taste everything. Was there a brawl occasionally? No, there was usually oh. eye rolling and, okay. Sarah, why didn't you just order your own? I'd be right. like, I yeah. did. They'd be like, you didn't order enough. I'd be like, well, I ordered something. I ordered right. an appetizer. Come on, that's pretty, share. That's pretty strategic. And also, things taste better when you share, don't they? Yeah, yeah that's true. So, I don't think it would be any one thing. It would be all these favorite bites that I have had in my life, like the perfect fish taco that I had when I was in Cabo. And it would be this onion pasta that I actually shared with Chris Kettner in Milan okay. Oh, okay. just a couple of months ago, it brought tears to our eyes. The things that have moved me to mm. tears, it would be those things. It would be, it would be pastry cream, and it would be the pistachio creme-stuffed croissant from Chimino Falling. I, I forget the name of the place, but it's like... A, in um it's also in Milan actually that and like the perfect cup of coffee it would be all this, and also like cool ranch doritos i fucking love cool ranch doritos yeah this that's that's a that's and crack it, it would be yeah. all these yeah. little bites of things and then drinking to drink mm. champagne okay totally champagne it i think it would have to be a blanc de blanc Probably vintage with a few years of age on it. Okay. When it gets a little bit mushroomy and kind of caramely and really just savory and... When it's uh, singing to you. When it... Yes. And what music are you listening to? I would listen to two things. I think I would listen to uh, Queen. Mm, what song? Uh don't stop me now. Oh. Having such a good time. Oh, that's a great song. Having a ball. Because <laughs> I... I <laughs> okay. That, I mean, that's why they call me Mr. Fahrenheit. Yeah. Um, uh, and I would also listen to my husband sing. Oh, wow. Yeah. Because he has a beautiful voice. He does. I've heard him sing. <laughs> and he a beautiful voice. he could just sing, you know, about our cats. <laughs> or he's great at making songs up. Okay. I mean, you know this. I do, and yeah. We we make songs up together when we hang out. So. Yeah, and he's a great singer, so I would listen to him, and I would listen to Freddie Mercury. There you go. So um, I want people to be able to follow you. There's Lupersom, of course. Is there other? Do you have a website you want to mention? Or I have not launched a website. Uh, I uh, Actually, I organized today my I have a CPA who is filing the paperwork today for Lupersom LLC so I can actually start charging for my classes nice, and actually start making money and what I know what <laughs> you're not going to give away all your <laughs> knowledge for free right yeah no it's, a, um, it's great and uh, yeah the, t I just started TikTok I'm just dropping in the videos that I've already right. done smart yeah. but it's also at Lupersom it's Lupersom across the boards because oh. it's easy to say it's fun to say and I've had actually people, followers come into uh, Ibuko and go, Lupersom! And I'm like, yes, that's me! I'm Lupersom! <laughs> it's a great feeling, right? It is a great feeling. Uh, uh, well, I want to thank you for being on uh, DOTJ Podcast. And thank people, you so much for having me. Go to my website, dotjpodcast.com, for past episodes and some cool other stuff. Uh, but I can't thank Sarah enough. And uh, check out her Instagram. Thanks. Thank you. That I could fall Thanks again for listening. 
Don't forget to check us out at dotjpodcast.com. Until then, I'll see you at the bar. Could you care for a lovely cottage that we could share? The world would pardon my mush, cause I have got a crush, my baby, on 